favorites. You know that. I know. Every time that movie's on, I think of you. So good, man. Ha. Oh. What's going on, everybody? Get in the holiday spirit. It is the NFL Strategy Show, powered by AwesomeO.com. I'm Dave Lochran on the Twitters at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. With me, as always, Ben Rasa at DFS. I don't want to say it, Ben. I don't, I don't want you to take Jack of no, all trades. I didn't know that could even be a bad thing. It can because it's, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none. But I'm giving you the title Jack of all trades, master of some. And I think that's I'll take what I can get. Pretty respectable. Also, Sal Vetri, the man has his fingers in many pies, as I've heard many people say, on Twitter at Sal Vetri DFS. What's going on, brother? Yeah, man, doing pretty good. I mean, it's it's the corpse of Sal Vetri today. My soul has left my body Brutal. after the ending to last night's game. The safety cost me a fantasy championship in the, in the main home league, the one that, you know, you get the closest ties to, a cousin beating me. So it's tough. We're going to try and push through today. I know I'm going to have to see the man's name, Lamar Jackson. Just left enough time for that safety to happen. I'll try and get through the show with you guys. Yeah, and it's it, it's so often something good happens to somebody else and terrible happens to me. I had the opposite of you yesterday where I somehow won like a ridiculous nail biter. But I know that feeling. And I've had that happen before. And you and I discussed it before the show. Sometimes losing a home league to somebody you know and want to beat is worse than any like big bet long-term it's not right. But in the moment it is a terrible, terrible feeling. Oh yeah. Especially when, I mean, it's like a very active league. So competitive, active group chat going all night and you're just sitting there. I felt the soul leaving my corpse as I, <laughs> I, I knew it was going to happen. I tweeted about it. Once Lamar snaps it with seven seconds, I have to now root for the missed field goal so I can get to some overtime there. Cause you just know the flea flickers are coming and uh, yeah, ended up losing by like 1.5 points on the safety to end it, to end the season. Well, Ben, one might say that because Sal is here on the show with us, that uh, he was exhumed from the ground. He was exhumed. Uh, All over the field. Scene. Everybody knows that feeling. I, I saw it even before the show. There's just a universal language when that happens. It, it feels like it's you know it's coming. Uh, I know I hate to speak like yeah. that, but you just you kind of just know. Um, awful feeling thank god uh i got it last night just fine i I did not bet that game i would have bet the browns would have been really really bad at three and a half so lucky i survived that madness yeah i felt i felt hung over this morning like i don't know what it was (laughs) whatever the feeling was i woke up and i was just like wow i feel like shit like i feel so bad right now it was yeah i i'll tell you one thing though the whole poop gate dump gate shit gate whatever you want to call it with lamar jackson I want to give credit, then to whoever labeled his injury a cramp because it could have been factual. It could have been legitimate because we get legitimate stomach cramps sometimes and you have no choice but to run to the bathroom, right? So everyone's thinking he's got a leg cramp or something. What if he had cramps, but it was stomach cramps and he just blew up the bathroom as a result, comes back on fourth and five, tosses one 44 yards to Marcus Brown, who dropped three in a row. The game was insane, but I definitely think that Lamar Jackson, no doubt about it, firing one off and then got up feeling much better coming in to win the game. It was, so I was watching the Creighton basketball game on my main TV and I had the the football game on mute. Of course you are, by the way. Yeah, that's a whole nother show. Great. Very disappointing. Anyway, I looked up and Trace McSorley was, I was playing catch up. Uh, then I went on Twitter, which is obviously just a whole another ball game. What, what a situation. Then he comes back. Like you said, Hollywood Brown had been, I mean, he's been bad all year, but that was a new low. Uh, and then obviously from there, madness ensued, just, just a, a crazy game all around. Yeah. Even RG three uh, threw some, some jokes out there. And man, let me tell you, Sal, people on Twitter, they're just brutal. Oh, my God. You know, he, he makes a joke about his teammate. He's clearly messing around, and people are like, 
Yeah, well, you can't even get off the couch because you have no ACL, asshole. <laughs> totally yeah. unnecessary stuff. Oh, shit. Yeah, it is just, I mean, that's what you get. That's what you get on Twitter. You sign up for that. But I, I, I mean, I hope he played the whole uh, the tweet and run game where he's not looking at his comments at all. Because no matter what that man writes, even if it's that like he likes dogs, it's over for him for that day, whoever it is in the, in the spotlight. There are a few people like that. Skip Bayless being one of them, um, you know, but look. It was a crazy game. It was a crazy week. And I think it's time to move on to week 15 because I'm telling you right now, Ben, I know you and I both, the 13 game slates, they can be exhausting, right? But I'm I'm telling you through the preliminary research that I've done, week 15, just, I won't say at first glance, but after my first take across all of the positions, this might be my favorite slate to talk about since the beginning of the season. I mean, you've got three rookie running backs in spectacular spots. You've got a ton of different quarterbacks to decide from that are all in favorable positions. Derrick Henry could crack 2,000 yards if he averages just over 150 yards per game, and he's got Detroit, Houston, and Green Bay coming up on the schedule. There's just so much to love about this. It's great because, first of all, we we lose a couple games, and I like that. 11, I think, is a sweet spot, and you you mentioned it. You've got a lot of storylines developing. You've got playoff implications. We could see new, you know, Breeze, someone like Breeze could be back. That could change some things in the running back situation as well. Uh, And then there's obviously just intriguing teams of what developed in in week 14, starting with your boys. Uh, Obviously very impressive. We're going to talk about Jalen Hurts. So there's a lot to like. And I love slates like this where there's not an obvious starting point. We're happy to have you guys with us. You know the drill. If you like the show and you haven't subscribed to it yet, subscribe to the channel. Help us out, but more so help yourself out, too. We'll always pop up in your recommended feed, the browse feature. You can see when we're live. Uh, Very simple process here. But if you like what we do, we've helped you along the way. You're in the giving spirit with the holidays coming around. And, you know, you just want to benefit yourself as well. Hit that subscribe. Help us get to 50K. And if you hate it, well, you can unsubscribe and never have to hear from us again. Hit that thumbs up as well while you're at it. Sal, let's get into it, man. We've got... Four positions we're going to touch on. And then, of course, at the end, we'll close it out with our cheap defensive play. We don't like to spend time on defense. It's pointless, but it's always fun to give one sub 27, 2800. Kicking it off with quarterback, though. At the top, you have uh, Mahomes in one of the tougher matchups he's had against New Orleans. Lamar Jackson against Jacksonville. And he has looked much better recently over his last two games, putting up you know, Lamar Jackson, 2019 unanimous MVP type numbers. And then Russell Wilson against Washington. I'll round it out with Kyler Murray in that 7K flat or at 7K flat at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Kind of an intriguing range to talk about for this week. Yeah, very interesting range. And I mean, relatively all all affordable. Nobody hits that 8K range. Mahomes all the way up there. So I'm going to like the top and the bottom of this a lot. Maybe my two favorite plays on the slate early on are going to be Mahomes and Kyler. So Mahomes at $7,900, all the stacking options. The guy averaged 11.6 yards per attempt last week against Miami. Had a couple, he had a tipped interception, a couple fumbles early on. It really didn't matter. And if anything, you want that negative game flow for Mahomes because then you just know that you're going to be getting mega efficiency downfield and all they're really going to do is pass. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire getting used in the passing game for the most that we've seen out of him in like two months is also encouraging for Mahomes and any stock that you have him in, in DFS this week. So Mahomes is the guy that I like. The problem is you have very expensive, I mean, 8K, range for now tight end Kelsey almost 9k for Tyree kill for stacking options so you almost have to get in if you want a full-on game stack a Sammy Watkins and McCole Harmon and those guys you just have to get a lot of exposure to because you don't know which one's going to have the touchdown last week was Harmon in the return game Sammy Watkins didn't do much so I like Mahomes up top but Kyler's very interesting to keep watching because every week since this injury he's gotten better he averaged seven yards per attempt last week first time he's done that since the shoulder injury uh, by far, his most rushing yards, he had 60 rushing yards in the last three weeks, last week, 47. Uh, and he said that he's been feeling better. The average that the target went up for him and, and all of his wide receivers benefited, mainly DeAndre Hopkins. So you're getting a, a cheap price point on Murray now. It keeps dropping at this point because he's still at 18 fantasy points the last couple of weeks for DraftKings. But I think that like $7,800, like a month ago, Kyler Murray peakness might be coming back with the rushing upside going up. So I think $7,000 Kyler in this matchup against Philly is one that I'm really going to be trying to get a lot of exposure to. It'll also be interesting to see uh, those secondary injuries the Eagles suffered against the Saints. Uh, how many of those carry over to week 15? Because they got banged up. The defense has been playing better, though, just at the worst time when we need them to start losing games. But, uh, Ben, you're going to think I'm crazy for this. And, and, I, and I, welcome the, I, I welcome the criticism. 
But I honestly, and it's very early in the week, but I honestly consider the idea of even having some lineups with Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins in the, in the same lineup. Like, I, I know on, on a bigger slate, like 11 games, it's not necessary. But tell me you couldn't at least, and you don't have to tell me anything. I'm telling you, I could absolutely see this be a game where they just run – the they just blow the doors off Jacksonville on the ground game. They run for 300 yards and Lamar and Dobbins both have monster games. Like I could see that happening, but uh, while we stay on the quarterback position, what are you doing up top? I can see that too. I think the one hesitation in Lamar, unfortunately I've been, I was playing him a lot. And then when he's exploded here, it's been on Island games. So it's more for showdown. Uh, I, I've been on it. I've bet his prop over rushing yards. And I think it just speaks to when these games are somewhat competitive, Lamar runs and he has to. I worry what happens if he doesn't run early in the Jacksonville game and they get up. He may never get the opportunity. So that's what scares me about him. Obviously, it's the best matchup by far of the four. Uh, Wilson gets Washington. That's very difficult. Mahomes gets New Orleans. Kyler gets your Eagles, who are playing better. So. I get Lamar, but to me, Kyler would be the one I'd save the money. 13 rushing attempts was, I thought, the the biggest uh, positive for him last week. It didn't translate into a ton of output, but if he's going to rush double-digit times, that sets the stage for him to have a big game. Yeah, I'll stick with you, Ben, as we work down into this middle tier a little bit. Uh, Deshaun Watson, there's seven-and-a-half-point dogs against the Colts, which is pretty, uh, pretty insane. Colts at home here. Ryan Tannehill, that price has come up a little bit too much for my liking, especially knowing that Henry is uh, can smell that 2K mark, and he's been, you know, late season Henry's just insane anyway. Tom Brady against Atlanta. And then the couple to round this one out, uh, Jared Goff at home against the Jets. We know they're going to score. And Cam Akers exploded last week, looked outstanding, was clearly the lead back. But how are they going to score? Is it going to be through the air? Is he going to spread it out like Wilson did last week and basically burn everybody because despite the 40 points, there just wasn't anything concentrated enough? Or will it be Akers? Will it be Goff to Cooper Cup? I think this is one thing we're absolutely going to need to get right going into this week. I, I really think it's going to need, we're going to need to get this right. It's just tricky because Goff's biggest asset is that he has the ability to throw the ball 55 times in a game, um, in, in game scripts that get out of hand or they're trailing it's hard to imagine as 17 point favorites that he's not more efficient than volume. And that unfortunately doesn't really translate great when you're talking about the DFS side. So for me, this is tough. Honestly, I have, I could honestly say, I don't think I've played him in any lineup this entire year. Tom Brady's in a pretty good spot though, in the dome against Atlanta secondary. I don't mind that at 66 Tannehill's a little much Deshaun Watson. I always like, but uh, that was as bad as it got. I mean, the bears are, the bears and they dismantled Houston. He has no weapons left. It, it's kind of just a uh, really lost season there for the Texans. Yeah. I, I guess I just, I just always see this differently than most people, Sal. And that's, that's justifiable that I would be on an Island here, but I look at a jets team that's been a dog and a big dog in so many spots this season. And it hasn't mattered. like Herbert as a huge favorite against them at 366 passing yards, uh, Mahomes threw for 446 passing yards as like almost a 20 point favorite. Uh, Kyler Murray for 380 as a huge favorite, still won by 20 points. Uh, the, the list goes on. And, and even Russell Wilson, he was more efficient, yes. But if he throws to the right guys, you're talking about a different story. So, uh, and, and Las Vegas is a touchdown favorite. We saw Derek Carr win tournaments with 381 yards. I'm willing to look at the Jets as a team that are just so bad everywhere that. Maybe volume isn't as necessary, and we've seen that a lot this year. But I digress. Your thoughts in the mid-range at quarterback? Yeah, so just to close it out for Goff, it's very interesting, like, for specific players. Like, we've seen this year in four game flows, that you can say in the second half, they're up by two scores. He's only averaging 29 attempts per game in those games. He can be efficient and get there. But then you also have to point out that he has the highest team total on the slate this week, and you can still get there. It just has to happen early on probably for him. Like Russ last week, those four touchdowns, three at half, four in the first three quarters. So it's a little bit more tough for Goff and I'm more timid to get there just because, especially in, in GPPs, 
I like to run back a lot of stuff. This would be a situation where I probably wouldn't even want to run back the Jets on the opposite side of it. You're kind of just putting in like an, an eight in your lineups or hoping that Perriman could connect on a deep one, which hasn't been the case with Sam Darnold yet. So Goff, I'm probably not there. Um, in the mid-range, yeah, it kind of weeds out a little bit. Uh, I'll echo thoughts on Tom Brady, the 28 implied team total. Good matchup against Atlanta as well for quarterbacks this season. I think that that's fine. A lot of stacking options. Godwin will have to track his injury. Seemed like he was pretty limited last week. The routes run and some other metrics. But then I go towards the bottom of the range. I don't really like much here. Like Phil Rivers has a nice team total, similar situation as a touchdown favorite. You look to the rookie running back that you touched on at the top of the show. Jalen Hurts as a cash option last week looked nice. Now he's priced up in a matchup, but not that great of a team total. I'm going to wait to see what happens with, it's the only one I don't have right now, Stafford's team total in this game. At 5,800, he might be the one that I go to just because of since they've had the coaching change, they have passing a lot more. His yards per game, his yards per target, all this stuff for yards per attempt is going up. So not much down here that I like, not much below really Brady that I like, but Stafford, depending on that team totals where I'll look. Yeah. And if he plays or not, uh, right. I think, I think Stafford could be in a great spot this week. I have him too, uh, as someone I'm willing to consider, but I saw that he's in jeopardy of potentially missing the game. So it's worth paying attention to, but yeah, I like that. Um, Ben, Matt Ryan is down there. He's been really bad lately. And I, I wasn't sure just how bad he'd been until I looked. You know, in, in divisional games this season, I guess it doesn't matter, but I found it interesting when I was going through some numbers. He's averaging 12 fantasy points per game in divisional matchups. Um, not great. Alex Smith, if he plays, has Seattle at $5,000. What do you say about these guys sub, six, uh, sub 6K? Um, I mean, it worked out last week for me. I'm going to Trubisky if I have to go down here again. Uh, he finally put it together, and this is a guy – like I said, it, a lot of the criticism is warranted, but the ceiling remains intact. And against a Minnesota team, obviously there will be no weather issues. 5,500, I, I feel pretty comfortable. Obviously the Bears, this is an elimination game. Uh, both these teams absolutely have to have it. I expect north of 30 passing attempts. Upside is there. He's going to make some mistakes. There's no doubt. But it, we saw last week how enticing it is. And unlike, obviously I'm not comparing him to Holmes in any way, but the difference last week, you could take, Trubisky, Allen Robinson, and say like Mooney, you could get Tyreek in there. You could get Kelsey in there. Whereas with the Chiefs stack, you're going to be looking for one-offs that are very, very cheap because you just don't have any salary left. All right. Sal, you have anything else at quarterback worth touching on before we talk running backs here? Yeah, no, not much. A lot of these team totals are basically like all of them, right? Like 22 or below. Uh, Nick Mullins has a decent one against Dallas, but I'm not going to be going to Nick Mullins. Okay. Yeah, and we'll pay attention to a couple more of these guys throughout the week, whether or not they're going to be on the field. Uh, but ultimately, you got Tennessee with a 31-point implied total. Tannehill's just ex really expensive. The Colts are up around 30. Um, I saw some chatter in our in our chat about someone like Phillip Rivers. I'll just go back to you one more time on this, Sal. Is 5,900 on Rivers worthwhile to pair with, say, a T.Y. Hilton who's actually played significantly better football lately and now has three straight games where you're looking and saying, where was that all season? Was he not healthy? Who knows? Um, is that something you're willing to look at? I just questioned the ceiling on it. Like, I don't think we've seen a 30-point performance this year. I think we've seen one over 25. So that's my main issue. But, yeah, I mean, if you're just looking for anybody really below, like the Goff or, or Brady range, Rivers is one of the three guys that I have starred. All those guys are there, Hurts, Rivers, and then Stafford, depending on if he's going to play. So if you're just looking to save some money, I do think that's one way to do it. It's a very beneficial matchup against the Texans. But, again, the ceiling there, like, if he scores you 20, you're very happy with that for Rivers. But you're probably not doing much in GPPs if that's the case. What about you, Ben? Anything else? No, I mean, I, I do think that some people, and rightfully so, may have some interest in Jalen Hurts just because of that rushing ability. We saw it last week. I just worry exactly about what we get there. I think it could be a slow, methodical game in a lot of ways. And even on Kyler on the other side, that's one of the red flags. But I'm not sure I'm going to get to Hurts, even though it was very impressive what he did last week. It certainly was. I don't know how I feel about this matchup, and now the teams have a little bit more film on him, exactly. which I really think makes a difference once you start talking about guys like Jalen Hurts. Uh, he can run, but what pissed me off the most is that Doug Peterson all season long didn't adjust or simplify the game plan. And then you get Jalen Hurts in, and he's like, all right, let's run more screens. Let's take the small yardage when we can get it. Uh, let's go to Miles Sanders. It, it tells me that Doug Peterson still thinks he's working with an Aaron Rodgers like quarterback and wins, and it's not the case. Uh, so I think if they're going to simplify the game plan, Hertz is going to be able to have some, some solid efforts and look, he threw the ball away. That was strong. 
He didn't take bad sacks. He can scramble. And he took the small yards when the defense gave it to him. And it resulted in a win. So uh, you could have done a lot worse. And as long as Doug doesn't start doing some some crazy, stupid shit with the play calling like he's done with Wentz, then I think Hurts is still viable because anyone with legs like that is capable of making things uh, uh, making things happen. All right, Sal, at running back, you've got Derrick Henry, $9,500, coming off another monster game. So now he's got back – or two of his last three games have gone 39-plus DraftKings points. He has five touchdowns over that span. He's just patently, patently absurd. 178 rushing yards, 215, 133, 103. That's four of his last five games. The only one where he struggled was against Cleveland when they were down so early that he was phased out. But he needs 156 yards per game. He's got three cake matchups to hit the 2K mark. But that still does not get us to the conversation about what do we do at $9,500 for Derrick Henry this week against Detroit? Yeah, it's an ownership game. And I think ownership will be there on him this week. I mean, 15 to 20%, you have two less games on the slate because of the two Saturday games this week. So you don't have to worry about it getting a little bit spread out and just recency bias. So Derrick Henry, it's a pretty similar stance for me. Although this is maybe a little bit altered because we saw it last year when he needed to average like like 165 yards a game or something for like the last five didn't do it to get to 2000 but they were like actively feeding him they were campaigning for king henry 2k like on the titans twitter in the coachings or in the locker room so they're going to be trying to get this guy the ball as long as they're ahead so 30 attempts are definitely in the cards for him so uh against detroit it's really tough to see a lot going wrong especially if there's no matthew stafford chase daniel is not going to keep detroit in a situation to play with a lead or a massive lead like you saw in cleveland with baker phasing out derrick henry so it's going to be really hard to get away from it um, in cash. I probably don't really need to get there. If you have any other value types of running backs with outs as well, like a Dalvin cook, even for $500 less, but in GPPs, I mean the, the upside that he brings you, if he has these 30 touches is the 40 burgers that you saw like last week. So I think Henry is somebody that I don't normally do is I like one lineup of Henry last week that didn't do well. Um, but I probably am going to prioritize it more this week, assuming that he's like less than 20% owned. How about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, it's always tricky just because on on paper, to me, he always seems like he just has less outs than everybody else just because of the way he does it. Um, and when you look, you're just like, I literally need multiple touchdowns and like 150 yards rushing. And it's tricky. Obviously, last week I, I was under at a little and, and he got there at 95. The path gets even more narrow. Ownership will, I hate to take the cop out, but ownership will dictate it. If he's very, very popular, I don't think I'll be able to get over. I, I think that I'm willing to save some salary, save some money uh, and go elsewhere. But, you know, if I can and I have the money, it's Derrick Henry. We saw last week he can crack 200 yards in any game. The matchup doesn't get any better than this. The game script doesn't get any better than this. Okay, so then what about the uh, the rest of the guys up top here? All you See, this is what's been so crazy lately you have Derrick Henry at 95. Then you have Dalvin cook at $9,000. And, you know, to be fair last week or this past Sunday, Dalvin cook wasn't bad at all in a tough matchup against Tampa. As a matter of fact, he kind of did what we expected. I didn't like him as much because I thought he was probably capped a little bit, but 22 fantasy points from cook, 22 carries, uh, you know, and four targets. It just goes to show you that no matter the matchup, the volume is going to be there. But this is another a really expensive spot. And then, Ben, outside of that, you drop all the way down to Alvin Kamara at 7,400 after that. There's there's no 8K range. There's a huge gap between Henry Cook and then down to uh, Alvin Kamara. Yeah, and I think that'll impact ownership just because it's two distinctly different builds. You either have the money to go get one of those guys, most likely Henry, or you don't. Um now, Kamara, we'll see what's up with Breeze, but regardless, I think we saw if they're if they're trailing, he's going to revert back to the old Alvin Kamara, and I like him in this spot. I think he's going to be popular, but at 7,400, you're talking about a massive upgrade uh, at another position between him and Henry. That's $2,100. That's the difference between a top-end quarterback and Trubisky. That's the difference between a top-end receiver and a mid-range. So uh, the 7K range with four guys there and then a boatload of guys in, in the sixes, to me is more where I will try to build. Sal, you know, the Jonathan Taylor price point certainly jumped out to me a little bit as, whoa, you know, he, he was, he's been fine lately. He's been good. I know he had that big 62 yard touchdown run, two scores against Vegas last week, but that's an expensive price point. 
He's incrementally improving though over the weeks. And I, I guess let, let's, let's talk about this. He had 20 carries, two targets in that last game. Naeem Hines had half as much as he did total. He had 11 combined carries and targets. Normally you'd be like, okay, good. Yeah, sure. It's good. But Naeem Hines is still involved. Are we confident enough going into this week that Jonathan Taylor is the bona fide number one back that isn't in jeopardy or, or at risk of losing that role to a split or maybe even worse if he gets off to a bad start against Houston? Yeah, so I don't think he's an Alvin Kamara. I don't think he's an Eckler in terms of he's game flow independent, a Dalvin Cook. I do think Naeem Himes, if it's the opposite as of last week, they're not up big. They're down two to three scores. It's Naeem Himes coming in. He's not really going to be much of a factor. But I kind of like where they put this price point because he was unowned last week. He's like two or three percent owned and he goes off. It was a week after he had his highest evaded tackles and he's been playing well. He discovered something against the Packers. Maybe it was just confidence, somewhat of a smaller sample, but he started breaking tackles in two weeks ago. Now this past week, he led the entire league in broken tackles, evaded tackles with nine this past week. And that's what he was known for coming out of college. We didn't see it the first month and a half to two months. And now he's leading the league over his last two games in that metric. So I like that a lot. Yeah, I prefer, I mean, Kamara way more. 10 targets, it's, it makes sense that they finally got him involved in the passing game. You would assume that Sean Payton would think that. And if Drew Brees comes back this week, it's even better. But I do think it's going to leave Taylor in this price range in the single digits in ownership yet again, maybe even 5% or, or less like he was in a lot of contests last week which as a touchdown favorite, you would think that the game script's going to be there and they want to keep feeding him and he's been good. So I actually like Taylor this week, prefer Kamara, but Taylor, I don't think is going to pick up any ownership. Yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, he's just been really good lately though, Ben. And I guess ownership plays a role here. It, what? Because this matchup is really good against Houston. We have seen opposing running backs torch them all season long. What happens if, you know, when we get ownership tomorrow at awesome.com, you guys can check that out, of course. If we get ownership and this price point has everybody flocking away from from Jonathan Taylor, maybe to Alvin Kamara and a few other guys in this price range, does that make Jonathan Taylor more interesting to you? Because I feel like this is one of those games where if you went for a buck 20 and two touchdowns, I wouldn't be scratching my head about it. No, I, I like him as well. And I, I'm completely in line with what Sal said. I actually wish he was even like, I wish he was 8,000 and nobody would play him because I think his ceiling in a game like this is so high that it doesn't really matter. Uh, he's built for this, obviously a massive workhorse in college. Uh, we know that. And I actually like, he's been getting a couple targets each week. So to me, it's early in the week, but I have my eye on the Colts minus seven. I think this, I think Houston's just done uh, flat out done. They did not put up a fight last week. So for me, I, I don't really worry about – there are obvious game scripts where he gets phased out. I don't think those are even remotely likely. So uh, ownership will tell the story. But the good thing about ownership and obviously why I rely on our, our ownership projections, something has to give. He can't be massively popular and Kamara and Henry. Someone's going to obviously be leveraged. And I, I have a couple guys here that I'm comfortable with. So I'll see what the ownership predicts and then proceed accordingly. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I rambled. I couldn't stop about the whole Miles Sanders thing because of how badly it's pissed me off. But uh, he has three runs now, 74 plus yards on the season of the top 10 run, top 10 longest runs this year for running backs. Miles Sanders has three of those 10 Sal, but um, Doug Peterson and, and um, th these guys refused to use him at a consistent enough clip. I bring that up because we know the explosiveness is there. The upside is there, but it's 6,900, even though he's coming off a monster game and another 80 yard to 82 yard touchdown run. How do we have any confidence when he still only had 14 carries? Yeah, that's the thing. Like the price point comes up to a point. I think where you can talk yourself into it is the fact that he saw the lowest last week in terms of eight man in the box, the lowest that he's seen all year. And that's because his quarterback, they at least charted it down for 18 attempts over hundred yards rushing for Hertz. That's going to help him. Now, I mean, the 82 yard touchdown was the thing that really helped him last week. It wasn't much of the read option, all that much helping him clear ways, but that's going to come. That's just one game. So at $6,900, I could see getting there. From that standpoint, I'd have to see more passing game usage, which really isn't coming right now for just a team with a 21 implied team total. Uh, going to be a six-point underdog. That's where I would go Like if I think that he comes in a little bit lower on because David Montgomery, Kamara pick up the uh, ownership in this range. I would rather just lean to the Jonathan Taylor range instead of going to Sanders. 
What about Cam Akers against the Jets? He's uh, coming off a 29-carry game. And by the way, this wasn't all just on one carry. He, If you watch this, he broke off chunk play after chunk play. Huge play after huge play, 171 yards. Didn't get in the end zone, unfortunately, but he's going to get those opportunities. And then in the same conversation, Sal, you first, and then Ben, and we'll, we'll go down this list. DeAndre Swift, another rookie at Tennessee. I have some more concerns about that. Uh, but the last one is J.K. Dobbins against Jacksonville. Mark Ingram was basically not on the field at all yesterday. The transition is happening. J.K. Dobbins very likely about to take over this lead back role and, of course, be spelled by Gus uh, Edwards. But still, there are some good rookie spots this week. What do you say from that 59 and up range all the way to uh, Cam Akers? Akers is going to be the one that I like the most. Uh, I mean, outside of just game script, 17-point favorite, the highest team total on the slate. Everything looked good last week for him. The the obvious one's the usage. Daryl Henderson sees like two carries, uh, doesn't run any routes. Malcolm Brown only runs four routes, sees a target, no receptions. So Cam Akers was the pass catching back, 17 routes where they didn't really need him to do much there, but saw a couple of receptions. And then he was second only to Derrick Henry last week. Henry just had a ton of yards overall, but second only to Derrick Henry in yards after contact, which was his forte, very similar to um, – very similar to Jonathan Taylor in college coming out, right? He had to do pretty much everything on his own because he had a terrible offensive line. And now we finally got to see it, the full workload. He was banged up for that first month, month and a half of the season, and he wasn't playing at all. We don't really know still what was going on there, if it was injury-related, but he finally got to do it. I don't think they're going to be turning back now, barring any type of an injury. So Akers is the guy that I like the most. Yeah, DeAndre Swift is tough. He ran routes. They said that he was going to be limited in that game. Seemed like he was, kind of was, but saw a couple of receptions, the goal line touches. That's the thing that's nice for him. He's still getting these goal line carries, the two goal line touchdowns that he had, getting those receptions. So for DraftKings PPR format, he's getting all the touches you really want. But if it's Chase Daniel out there, how often is he going to have those opportunities on the goal line? So we'll monitor and see that. Dobbins, I'm still skeptical on just because of how often they use uh, Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is a top five running back on uh, goal line carries and inside the five right now in the NFL. That's concerning. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, you saw rushing a couple last night as well. So I just question the upside of a guy like Dobbins. I think it's kind of baked into the price, but Akers will be the one guy um, that I prioritize out of all those rookies in this range. Yeah, Ben, the way that I plan on playing Dobbins is if everyone is prioritizing Cam Akers and, you know, justifiably so, and, and a bunch of other players in this range, and Dobbins just goes overlooked because the concern is his volume, uh, but, but, not thinking about the fact that against Jacksonville, there might be enough to go around. Whereas you could see Dobbins and, and Edwards, even with Lamar Jackson, they're getting a combined 30 some carries. Uh, I, if, if he's coming in very under him, which I could actually see being the case, Dobbins will be very, very high on my list. Who's high on your list in this range and feel free to work it all the way down to 5k. So, yeah, I mean, um, Un, not unfortunately, but I'm in line with the field like everybody else. Cam Maker sticks out for obvious reasons. Dream matchup, just fantastic. Didn't even, as you guys mentioned, didn't even find the end zone or it would have been much bigger. Just a dominant performance. So he's going to see that type of volume in this game script. It's hard not to like him. Dobbins, I think, again, it's all ownership dependent because his floor is very unstable because there's so many guys but you're directly leveraging off Akers. You're directly leveraging off Lamar Jackson. If he's very popular, like if Dobbins has randomly and it's very unlikely like three touchdowns it's a lot more likely that Lamar has a pedestrian game on the ground unless they really run it up um which again there are scenarios like that the rest of this range though I kind of want to wait and see I Ronald Jones apparently is having surgery but he's as far as I know somewhat good to go I saw he's not expected to miss any time either yeah so you, you know we'll have to see how the Tampa Bay backfield shakes out obviously Atlanta's a team that you can attack. I don't see a ton else though. You've got Edwards Alaire there, McKissick, these guys, you know, I'm not staunchly opposed to the plays, but they certainly aren't jumping out at me in any way. How about you, Sal, that 5k range down from Dobbins. Uh, I had a couple guys written down, nothing that I'm enamored with, but uh, I, I think let me, I'm going to throw one at you, which this one will, most people are not going to like this, but if Raheem Mostert sits, we've seen, that Jeff Wilson is actually Kyle Shanahan's primary ball carrier in these situations. I'm telling you, we saw where everyone was on. Uh, Sal, what, what was the guy's name that they brought in that, uh, off the streets? Um, who? Michael Hasty, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And then Jeff Wilson had that huge game and then gets put on the IR. He's 5,100. McKin uh, Coleman got like no work last week. I don't think McKinnon got any either. I'm pretty sure that uh, – that, that, hey, um, sorry, Mostert and Jeff Wilson 
essentially split snaps down the middle. If he sits, which is very possible, he's getting more imaging on his on his ankle or whatever it is this week. I might actually have some interest in Jeff Wilson, even at 5,100. What are you doing with value at running back, Sal? Yeah, I mean, there's like a lack there of it. So like, yeah, if if, if Jeff Wilson's going to be the guy, then you could even start to maybe see some more Jarek McKinnon, although he seems to be like being a doghouse at this point. That's where you can start to see some other value options opening up. Uh, David Johnson's potentially can return this week. He didn't have COVID. He was a close contact. Duke Johnson got concussed, came back, played one snap, never touched the ball again. Don't know what was going on there last week. So that backfield all year long has been just a tragedy to try and figure out. It's like you get eight points every single week because of injuries and whatnot. Um, so there's not much down here. Like I actually do think we talked about all the rookies. It's funny. I actually do like Clyde Edwards Lair at 5,800. The issue for me is I'm probably going to want to get to Mahomes. We'll see how much I can get with the expensive stacks of Tyreek and Kelsey. Um, and I don't normally stack up running backs uh, with their quarterback, but Clyde Edwards Lair coming off of 22 opportunities, the most that he's seen since week eight. It was very good to see the way that he was involved both on the ground, breaking tackles and in the passing game. So at 5,800, he might be like the cheapest guy that I actually have a decent amount of interest in. The only other thing is I'll track David Johnson. If he comes back at 5,100, you're probably getting like 12 to 15 touches out of him. And any other value here at running back? We're early in the week, of course, 11 games. But, uh, you know, this is one of those shows that I think sets you off at least in the right on the right foot when it comes to roster construction. And sometimes you got to pull that value out early in the week. But many times it's later in the week once we start getting injury reports that we can really drill down on it. Right now, absolutely. For me, there is no value. If this is how the slate, if this was Sunday, I wouldn't have a running back below like 5,500. Um, now if Ronald Jones sits and something opens up definitely, but that I'm, I'm right in line with you guys. I am going to have to pay up. I just don't see a lot of position. Uh, the opportunity cost is too big. If you punt here, there's just not enough guys with not enough volume. All right. We got wide receivers right now, but before we do, I think you guys have seen it. It's even at the bottom for $1. I shouldn't even have to talk about this because it's like the easiest decision you'll ever make, but for $1, using the promo code Caruso at checkout at awesome.com slash join, you get all of our NBA preseason content plus the entire first week, all access, everything. The whole entire first week of NBA. So you're talking projections, talking ownership projections, talking the boom bust tool, the lineup builder, all of the premium articles. Um, I think we're going to have one of the pro plays uh, tools as well that Ben was doing for golf and they were doing for other sports. All of that, the first week, $1. So the best part is if you were to do it today, right, you go to awesome.com slash join. You're like, yeah, I want to check this out. I, I, I never paid for content before, but I want to check it out. I've heard good things. I like you guys, so let me do this. You go over there, put in the promo code Caruso, $1. You never even noticed it was gone. You get all of the preseason content, and you still get the first week of the regular season. So now through the 29th of December for one single dollar, I will say no more. I don't need to. Shouldn't need to. If you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are always open at Lafay underscore D. I'm happy to help you out. But use the promo code Caruso, $1 promo code at checkout for the entire NBA all access all the way through the 29th. You get the whole first week. That includes Christmas Day as well. All right. Um, Sal, wide receiver. Really weird at the top because you have Tyreek Hill. You have DK Metcalf against Washington. That was disappointing last week. Tyreek Hill just happens to go off every week. Like a bad game for him at this point is 26 points. Can I, I'm just going to throw it over to you, but is this not like the, the most absurd thing ever that he catches three receptions and still has 26 fantasy points because he had a 32 yard rushing touchdown. Yeah, it's just it's just absolutely nuts. Like they made a conscious effort in that game. I was watching it because I had a lot of action in that game. They made a conscious effort to take away Tyreek Hill. And they basically said like, I, it's probably easier to do this, like have some extra attention. I love the Dolphins. Safety over top. I just love Yeah. Them. Yeah, I mean, they're a fun team to watch. And it was nice to see, too, actually, probably definitely in terms of just what he was facing in that game playing from behind and the weapons that he lost the entire game, everybody. Uh, it was good to see that. But, yeah, it's it's interesting because they, they try to take him away, and that's the thing with Tyreek Hill. You put him on a 30 um, or a 30-yard end around, right? He ends up running it in for a touchdown because nobody can keep up with the guy down the sideline. So, yeah, it just makes him kind of a lot of outs in his game like you saw last week. The issue now is, like, yeah, you just, you just have to find value somewhere if you really want to be playing the high-end of these cheap stacks or just choose between Tyreek and Kelsey. And it starts to get tough. Last week I chose more Kelsey. 
it was kind of just like a net neutral decision at that point. I think Kelsey is, is going to be quote unquote safer for you in a lot of matchups because it's rare that you're going to see safety help on a tight end. It's normally just a straight up linebacker. And if it's a cornerback, it's even better for that guy. So it's really tough to want to prioritize Hill this week in this range of like a bunch of guys who are expensive above $7,500 or more. I'm going to go to Hopkins the most. Uh, either way, I like it at $7,900, but he comes off of the biggest week. It's kind of the narrative of Kyler getting better, trying to track that, follow that. I'm fine single stacking it with Hopkins. He averaged over 3.3 yards per route run. A bunch of receptions finally got over 100 yards, and his A dot went up as Kyler seems to be getting healthier. So that's the guy above 7,500 that I'm zoning in on the most. All right. Greg says, Lafayette, you need to shave your mustache after that Gio Bernard call last week. Look, I'll take the L because – I'm a grown man and I can take an L, but I didn't know that he was going to come in and fumble the football and Trayvon Williams or whatever the hell his name is. Trevion Williams was going to take over all of the duties at running back while Gio Bernard watched from the bench. But still all that said, I apologize. Can't win them all, but you know what, Ben, apparently the Kansas city chiefs can, because no matter how good that Miami Dolphins defense is. Mahomes had two interceptions all season and then got picked off three times against Miami. No matter how good they play or how well they played him, this team, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, they're so resilient that they still dropped 33 points and got the win. Uh, They seem virtually unstoppable at this point, but uh, Tyreek Hill is very expensive. So is DK Metcalf. So is Calvin Ridley, all of them north of $8,000. Yeah. And for good reason, you you guys talked about Tyreek. It's, you know, he gets to these plays where every other player in the league, you know, you can see the angle and they're going to have to go out of bounds at the five and he gets in with ease uh, when he's going down the sidelines. He's just unstoppably fast, but you're paying a massive premium. Obviously Calvin Ridley coming off the big game. We'll see what's up with Julio. I don't mind the price. Hopkins also my preferred target because I like Kyler, Uh, you know, the Eagles slay and, and co they've had some brutal matchups lately and, Michael Thomas had some success last week. Obviously, Kamara did as well. Different uh, position, of course. But you've got him. You've got A.J. Brown. I know I don't like Tannehill, but it's not to say that he can't get there in a one-off situation. So, to me, the range is is pretty balanced. I think D.K. Metcalf would be the odd man out for me. Just too expensive. uh, And I really respect what Washington's doing, especially in that front seven. So do I. I, I'm not going to argue with that at all. They've played phenomenally. Uh, phenomenal football on the defensive side of the ball. And we saw that last week, Ben, let me stick with you here into the seven K range. Cooper cup, New York jets. That is seven K flat. You want to talk about woods at 6,800 too. We can do that. I know you're not high on golf. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on the passing game than you are just because I think if they do blow things open early, wild things are possible. Uh, Allen Robinson coming off a huge game. I'm assuming his best of the season with actually second best of the season, nine for 123 and a score, 13 targets, and a route against Houston. As you pointed out, it appears that they've just given up. Uh, A.J. Brown appears to be a bit too expensive at this point, and DeAndre Hopkins rounds out the top of this 7,900 range at, at, or at, at 7K range at 7,900. Anything else here that you like? So, I mean, obviously, Allen Robinson, he was incredibly important for me last week, getting it done. He's tied to Trubisky if I do go that route. The other guys here are difficult for me. I mean, we've seen time and time again this year, Jefferson and Thielen, they've been part of cousin stacks and success, but Bears defense is still very strong. So I don't know if I want to allocate, you know, if you play both of them, that's 14,500. And and just for those two, obviously you're going to add in cousins to me, you're not getting too much of enough of a discount to do that when you could, you could make stacks with a much better quarterback uh, for the same price. So cup is a one-off Robinson, uh, those are the type of plays I'd rather attack. What about you, Sal? Yeah, I think that I'm probably going to go, I mean, in this range, the guys that I like to just stand out, maybe even as cash plays, but Robinson and Michael Thomas. Thomas is a guy that I really like. It only gets better if Breeze comes back. You're seeing the catch rate and really chemistry with Taysom Hill fine. Caught 100% of his passes last week. Has a very strong floor. And if he finally starts finding the end zone, if Taysom Hill is going to throw more touchdown passes like he did last week, that only helps Thomas even more. So he's probably my favorite guy, maybe in this entire 7K or above range. But Justin Jefferson is the guy that I look towards as like a one-off. If I have a stack already, Um, if I'm just trying to get different and allow a lot of upside into my lineups, he's been quiet as of late. He's still getting the volume at this point. If you face pressure, that's the concern for just Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. He's been very good in a clean pocket, the number two passer in the NFL under pressure. He becomes around a little bit below league average. 
Um, so that's the concern which you're going to face this week against Chicago with another pass rush. But 13, 12, and 8 targets for Jefferson, and all of those basically are upside targets downfield. So he'll be the guy that I assume goes lower on with Thomas and Robinson right there, and I'll be going to if so. So, Ben, here's here's a, I'm going to pose a question to you, a, a game theory question, a strategy question. Every Monday, Adam Scher, Josh Ingham, and myself do the, the Monday morning quarterback edition. We recap everything, but we look at everything on Fantasy Cruncher, the lineup study, and we look over what worked and what didn't. I'm telling you, it's super valuable. You should join us. It's like a 30, 40-minute show. We get everything in and, and, and make it well worth your time. So yesterday, well, a couple of weeks ago, we pull it up, and the Millie Maker winner and I think the Slant winner, one or the other, but both large field tournaments, had Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook, no quarterback, right? No Kirk Cousins. Last week, we saw one that had uh, Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller with no Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr had a huge game, so that might not be the best example. But this week, the Millie Maker winner, okay, had, ready for this? The winning lineup was 40 Fortner. He had Derek Carr, David Montgomery, Derek Henry, A.J. Brown, Nelson Aguilar, Allen Robinson, Mike Gusecki, Tyler Eifert, and Cowboys defense. He had two scenarios where he played running back wide receiver from the same team and no quarterback. That's insane. And I'm thinking this week, maybe with the, maybe with the Rams, we'd be remiss to overlook or to not mention the fact that a Cup Acres or a Woods Acres lineup could actually make a ton of sense given the spot that they're in. So that, yeah, that's, first of all, let me just throw my support behind the Monday show. Uh, It's so natural to turn the page and immediately look to the next week. But if you don't review what happened, uh, sometimes you you look back and you realize you've been making the same or missing something for week after week. And you could plug that week instantaneously with a Monday review show uh, and find something like this. Now, I think this has a college football mentality to it because what happens with the over-unders and just in general with the league scoring Teams are scoring so much that there's more to go around and two guys who are not correlated in any way can still get there together. Then you add in that there are more mobile quarterbacks that can get production on their own. And it becomes a scenario where it's not as tied to stacking. Now I still advocate, of course, that you're going to want to stack in there, but you can still capture two teams. Uh, Obviously you can only play one quarterback, but like last week, Perfect example, you would have wanted Tyreek and Kelsey, but say you couldn't afford Mahomes, you could have used both of them yep. with, say, a, a Bears stack, a low-owned Trubisky, and those guys, that fit in perfectly. Um, so that is something I think is going to become more and more prevalent as more and more teams score 40 points here and there. You can capture all the production without the quarterback. Sal, we've seen it a lot lately. Teams with a good run game and a good passing game, but maybe a lower volume passing game because I think you need to find that balance, right? Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown last week, we saw a ton of that at the top of tournaments, a ton, without Ryan Tannehill because they might not be a high-volume offense, but they've been efficient, and it's concentrated usually between Brown, Davis, and the run game with Derrick Henry. Same thing with Minnesota, and not as much with the – the Rams, but there are times where I think we still have to look and say it's Acres, it's Woods and Cup as the three top guys. Yeah, and in the lineup that you just said, one last week, I mean, David Montgomery and Allen Robinson were some of the top values, top three maybe at each of their yeah. positions. So it lets them get in a little bit more. So I, I think there's a couple of things. If you're hand building, you could just be aware of that. Like having a David Montgomery, no matter how many routes he's been running, running backs don't really correlate unless you're Kamara seeing a 30% target share with Drew Brees, not going to correlate the best because of the touchdown upside, just because of the downfield usage of wide receivers, it's not going to correlate the best with your quarterback. So sometimes you don't stack them, but if you set rules against that and you're playing a good amount, you won't get those lines at Allen Robinson and Montgomery. So one way to counter or one way to go against that is last week, I was getting a lot of lineups that would have Mike Davis, Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, because they all look like great values, even after already having stacks. And that's when you can just set a rule in to either have only two wide receivers from the same team, if they're not in a stack or a run back, uh, two players in general. So you can really condense it to the point where like you're getting more of those opportunities to have a Montgomery and Allen Robinson, but you're not also having in that lineup, like a, a cheap option of like uh, Darnell Mooney. Cause at that point you might want to just full on team or game stack it. So I think that's way, one way to go about it. Uh, that's something probably over the last, two weeks and really last week after seeing it more, I try to like hone down on the rules of being able to get two people from the same team in there, especially if they're popping up as some pretty good values. I hear you, man. I, my, honestly, my, my, and I don't mean to uh, derail this, the show, but 
I do think we we might have all looked at these lineups early in the year and be like, why is this happening? Why are people doing this? And now you're seeing it happen a lot more often, and it does kind of make sense. But I think you have to do it with the right teams. I think you have to 100%. do it. I'm not. There are certain teams that I just have no interest in doing that with. But again, strong ground game, good matchup, low volume passing offense, but also concentrated between a couple of guys and pretty efficient. Minnesota is a good example. Titans are a good example. Uh, and, and I think this week, honestly, the Rams could be a pretty good example as well. So, um, Ben, what are we what are we doing with some of these uh, less expensive wide receivers? Uh, anyone down in you know, the 6K range or below that really stands out to you this week? So I think that T.Y. Hilton naturally is going to get a lot of buzz. He's back from the dead. Um, I want to go to the Tampa guys. It's just been incredibly difficult last week. Obviously, Evans, five targets. Godwin, three targets. Brady barely threw the ball. I do think that can change, of course, but it's very difficult to try to break down that situation. Uh, We'll see what's up with Julio. You've got Gage sitting there at 47. Pittman is, uh, if you want to be different, if T.Y. Hilton is picking up a lot of steam, I don't think it's a given that uh, that target share will be that much different. Other than that, though, uh, it's more guys like Sal mentioned at the top. You know, if you're playing Mahomes, you may not have the luxury to get Hill and Kelsey. You may have to look to secondary type plays on teams with big point totals, whether it's the Rams, the Chiefs, uh, teams like that to get that secondary exposure and save money. So, Sal, talk to me about T.Y. Hilton here. He's had three solid games in a row. Uh, His target share is over the last three games, 22 percent. So it's nothing insane. But he's been very efficient, $5,500. I would love your thoughts on this guy after a pretty brutal season. Yeah, I mean, the ma- the matchup is what's really good here, especially if you're going to get any type of volume. But I don't think I'm going to be getting there, even though it's a fair price point. The separation, so this is the thing for me, the separation for T.Y. Hilton all year long was one of the worst in the league. And even over the last couple of weeks on Next Gen Stats, it's not changing all that much. So it really is just we had a bunch of games where he wasn't great. Maybe he's regressing now, finding the end zone a couple of times. A big play against Houston gets in the end zone. Um, I don't want it to really change all that much of what I'm thinking about T.Y. Hilton here. Uh, you, you mentioned it. The volume is not getting crazy here. Phil Rivers doesn't throw 45, 40 times a game. And as a touchdown favorite, I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm probably going to hone away from T.Y. Hilton and really these pass catchers in general. Pittman at $4,800 sure is a cheaper option. But in general, these guys aren't getting all that much volume. Pittman at least gets separation over a yard more than Hilton. So I think it's just a small sample of Hilton. Yeah, he's finally regressing a little bit. I don't think there's much there because the separation isn't happening just good ball placement, making a couple of big plays to really uh, hone up those box scores. I think that it's really tough to get away from Brandon Ayuk this week. Um, I totally agree. Really but yeah, 6,300, five games now in a row where when he's healthy, he scores over 20 fantasy points. Debo Samuel's probably done for the year. They said it was pretty brutal of an industry for the, or injury for his hamstring. Does not seem like he's going to step on the field again. And this guy's just going to get fed targets at this point because they have nobody left anywhere. Obviously, you no know, Kittle still unless it becomes a game like the Ravens where they can just run all over Dallas and have to throw like 15 times. I think that you're going to say Ayuk seeing double digit targets uh, in a lot of upside against a Dallas defense that is still not good. Brandon Ayuk at that price point, some people might think he's too expensive, but I think he's egregiously underpriced at this. Maybe not egregiously Ben, but okay, look, he's got double digit targets in three of his last four. He has nine plus targets in all of his last four. And now Debo Samuel's done for the year. Everything Sal just pointed out. But to reiterate this, 6,300, yeah, okay, Brandon Ayuk early in the season, nothing great. Uh, injuries, plagued by injuries, plagued by just poor team play, COVID, and, 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 and of course, quarterback injuries. But when you're seeing this type of volume, and now you've got the Dallas Cowboys, 6,300 seems like a steal. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest Nick Mullins fan, but if there's one thing he does is sling it. I mean, he's throwing the ball all (laughs) over the place, ton of volume there. And I I mean, anytime you're telling me that the, I think it's pretty reasonable to say that Brandon Ayuk could be in the running for the most targets of anyone in week 15. If you're going to tell me that guy is in the mid sixes, uh, enough said. That's as simple as that. Quick take on value. If either of you guys have anything right now, Ben, you first and then Sal. We got about six minutes to go here. So for me, again, it's it's more, okay, I can't afford Hopkins. I'm going to do Christian Kirk. I can't afford Hill. I'm going to do Sammy Watkins. It, it's one-offs off potential quarterbacks, guys that the targets aren't going to be there, but they have the chance to break, you know, a 60-yarder uh, or be that secondary guy in stacks. How about you, Sal? 
Yeah, it's, it's two guys who kind of right now remind uh, of each other for me. They remind me of each other. Uh, Crowder at $4,400 coming off of a bad game. He saw the volume the week before. He relied on the touchdowns. But the one spot that you want to target the Rams is in the slot this year. It's the one spot to have success. I mean, this might be a game where Donald has 80 yards and it's terrible. But now he's $4,400. And the guy that reminded me of him was Lynn Bowden Jr., where he came out last week, ran 45 routes. Devontae Parker gets hurt. We'll see what happens with that. Does not look like Mike Gusecki is definitely not going to play this week. Maybe not for the rest of the year. Jakeem Grant went down and is hurt. So it was Lynn Bowden Jr. who saw nine targets, middle of the field. He looked a lot like Crowder uh, in the middle of the field, the way that he runs his routes as this slot receiver, but who can also go downfield. Yeah, Bowden Jr. is only $3,600. He'll run out of the slot. He'll run out of the backfield. You have to see what happens with the injuries. But if just one of those guys is out between Jakeem Grant and Parker, I'll probably get some Bowden at 3600 Love it. I'll just throw Michael Gallup out there too, 3500 yeah. As long as he's going to be this cheap and Andy Dalton's not playing favorites, uh, I'm willing to take some shots. Tight end position. By the way, guys, everything we do here on YouTube, unless it's like a live before lock show with no shelf life, everything we do is available in podcast form on any platform that hosts podcasts. You can find us, Awesome A-W-E-S-E-M-O. So if you don't want to use YouTube, maybe you don't have YouTube premium, you want to put your phone in your pocket while you're working, while you're doing something, and you can't close the screen without it turning off, well, you can with the podcast. So be sure to check that out. After this goes live, after the show's over, everything goes straight over to podcast, whether it's uh, Apple, whether it's whatever you use for an Android, I don't know. All of that good stuff. Spotify, we got you covered. Hit that thumbs up too. And guys, help us get to 50K by subscribing to the channel if you like what we've done here. Charlie Jones does because, well, thank you for that super chat. He said, I'm thinking with the lack of wide receivers on the 49ers, they could wind up throwing it to Kevin Stedler a couple more times. Yeah, anything's possible. Ben, what are we doing at tight end? And thank you, man, for the uh, super chat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kevin, Kevin Stadler is a, a fan favorite of Charlie, worst golfer on the PGA Tour. But uh, I wasn't even paying attention. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, Kevin Stadler. I said, uh, did he make this? Didn't he make this comment last time? And I does. said, Ben, isn't this a golfer? Yeah, friend, you did. Literally, you absolutely said I, I, that. Yeah, so. Um, Friend of the show, though, we do appreciate it. Any attention to what I was reading? I, I, I didn't know if you were going to throw to me, so I started to type in that guy's name into the DraftKings <laughs> just to see who it was. That's what I did, Sal. That's what I did last time. That's exactly what I did last time, and I'm like, okay, Ben will know this. But at this point, you know, it gets so late in the season that guys start popping up, and you're just like, okay, well, I'm sure he exists. I just don't yeah, know. Right. I, I, mean, I just, I had, you know, the, no idea. The so. Texans when Duke Johnson went down. Someone named like Buddy Holly or someone was playing. Oh, Buddy Howell. Yeah. Buddy Howell. And I'm Good like, boy. okay, like that I know sounds. Buddy Howell. Buddy Holly. <laughs> Buddy Holly. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Exhumed. Um. Anyway, obviously, tight end is always a when you have Kelsey on the slate, it becomes kind of a a two tiered price range. You have him and you have everybody else. So he's eight thousand dollars. You get twenty five hundred dollar discount to Andrews, who I do think that's one of the many ways to attack Jacksonville. We we know that. I do think they control it on the ground more likely, but this is a guy, how many times have we seen him, uh, you know, six for 70 and two? Uh, that happens all the time with a guy like that super red zone target. I'm going to try to get the money. It, it's the same theory. If I can get to Kelsey, I will. If I can't, I'll probably try to go as far down as I can and save as much money because I don't see a big difference uh, between most of these tight ends. What about you, Sal? Yeah, a lot of it's going to look very similar to that. I mean, and Kelsey up top, if you're not going to go there. I mean, Hawkinson, since Galladay's been out, has been very good. Seven or more targets in all those games, seeing a lot of touchdown usage well in each game. So Hawkinson stands out to me. And then a lot of guys just look like you're probably going to get six targets out of them. Logan Thomas, Cole Komet, another six targets, over eight fantasy points. He's just 3K. That's interesting and at least appealing. Tyler Eifert ran 36 routes last week. I mean, he's just playing nonstop. It's just does he get the usage? Probably not. So I'll lean to Cole Komet there. And then Hunter Henry has been as consistent as possible. I mean, the guy has right now um, seven or more targets in seven of his last nine games, all the usage in the world for him. I think it's probably going to be a situation where they finally have maybe a little bit more of an easier matchup uh, for what you're getting. So I think I'm going to be going to in that spot, Hunter Henry more so in kind of the middle of the pricing range. So Kelsey up top, a bunch of guys that look like they'll probably get you six targets. The ones that stand out to me are, are probably going to be Hunter Henry, cheap guy, Cole Komet. Travis Kelsey's fifth in fantasy points on this slate. Right. He's a tight end. He's fifth in fantasy points on the entire slate. Tyreek Hill is second. That's mm -hmm. insane. Two and five, both from the same team. Uh, it's It's been absurd to see what he's done. His fantasy totals over the last five weeks are six weeks, 28, 29, 20 or 30, 16, 31, 31. Uh, <laughs> he's a problem. He's Yeah. yeah he's, I mean, he's a problem. It's like it's you, crazy. 
when he's that involved, I mean, everything he's doing, he's picking up 20, 25 yard chunk plays. It's just, it's hard to take that away when you have to put a linebacker on him. You're not going to put like double coverage on that. And he's very smart. I was listening to a podcast of just how he plays the game. Like him and Mahomes have a chemistry where basically like he's not going over the middle of the field unless it's like a game winning play to get hit. So like a lot of his routes will lean to the right side of the field, which a lot of linebackers play towards the middle of the field. It was very, I would say insightful to listen to, but yeah, that's the issue is like, can you win unless it goes nuclear with six total touchdowns from Mahomes and they're all going there? Can you win with Mahomes or what is the margin? Kelsey and Tyreek last week, he couldn't, and they all had a very good game. You couldn't like win right. full on tournament. What are you so putting in around them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my lineups I had, I had uh, separating it up with picking one of them. A lot of them, some had both, but picking one of them, Sammy Watkins and Hardman and like some of them did fine, but they were nowhere near getting to the top of the leaderboards. And that's a week where Mahomes has 30, Kelsey has 30, Hills in the high 20s. It's just tough. You need that Watkins like 20 point game, really. Yeah, it's they've been remarkable, but you're right at this point, especially with, you know, you're going to get some lower, cheaper players to get. I think there were, I'll tell you right now, Ben, there were because we already went over anyway, but I, I tell you this, there were one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. There were 13, no, sorry, 15 players with with, 50, with 26 plus DraftKings points. I bring up 26 because Tyree Kill had 26. Kelsey had 30. There were 15 different players this week with 26 plus fantasy points. And most of them were cheaper than Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. So as good as but, they were, yeah. there were still a lot of other ways to get it done. And, and I assume none of those guys were cheap running backs, which is like the f- way that you fill out those lineups is, is with a cheap running back to try and make it worth paying all the way up. Because right. the running backs this week, last week, the cheap ones like DeAndre Washington get you seven points. All the other ones, Duke Johnson gets hurt. There, You need like a 20-plus point performance from a, a 4K running back for that to really, really pay off and work out for you. The cheapest you were getting was like Miles Sanders at 62 and Jonathan Taylor at 5,800. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, and it was McKissick, Geo, Duke Johnson, Washington right. range. And that's, I mean, I had these exact teams and right. I, it was fine, but you can't survive 12 from your running backs combined. It's very difficult. I think that's why I got so much less hate on the Geo call than I normally would have. Yeah, the pivots because were worse. What, is, what are you going to say? Oh, I should have played DeAndre Washington, exactly. you know? I should have played Duke. Didn't make a difference. So yeah, I mean, on the Sunday show we had a super chat question that was like favorite running back at flat five k. You said Geo. I said McKissick. Alex said Duke Johnson. Unfortunately, all three. You know, it was just that kind of range. It was very difficult to get kept, avoid it the was. landmine. It was. You know what else is difficult? Getting defenses right from week to week. But here we are talking about it once again. Our favorite defense, sub 2,900. You have the Vikings, Cowboys, Washington. By the way, Cleveland joins them as the baseball team now, so that's exciting. Uh, The Eagles, Texans, Falcons, Lions, Jets, and Jaguars. Ben, who do you have sub 2,900? So I I think that Washington is probably the obvious choice, but I'm going to go to the, even though I've said that I I like Trubisky and I think he's fine, I'm going to go with Vikings defense. We've seen time and time again, the bad side of Trubisky is bad. Uh, So that defense, even though they've taken a lot of steps back at home, I'll roll the dice with them at 2,800 as direct leverage off what I think will be a popular Washington pick. I I usually go sub 2,800, but I I tried to, you know, work in some favors here at the end of the show. It's late in the season and I'm feeling good. Uh, so yeah, they're 2,800. What about you, Sam? Yeah, I'm going to go the Eagles at 25 and it's kind of like, it's kind of against basically everything I've been saying. Cause I like Kyler and Hopkins a good amount this week early on, but in lineups where you don't have them, I do think the Eagles make sense because Kyler this year, he's been arguably maybe the worst starting quarterback in the NFL under pressure. Now his legs have been able to help him. Are they fully back? Well, if so, then this play might not be that great, but still it's a cheap defense, but Kyler is number 36 when pressured so far this year and the Eagles have the number two pass rush. So that's like the main stat. If you're going to look at one to try and get some sort of turnovers and points from your defense. So I'll go at 2,500, the Eagles. I'm going to go. Oh, this is tough. I, I could go Washington against Russell Wilson in Washington, traveling West to East. We've seen Russell Wilson with some struggles, throw, uh, turning the ball over uh, two picks against the Rams, two against Buffalo, three against Arizona this season. So he's got three games with multiple interceptions. Um, I think Washington actually makes some sense here. And let me ask you guys about this one. 
What do you think about Atlanta? Uh, uh, is is Tom Brady and this team overrated? Because I've had so much trouble. Last week I'm saying they're overrated. Tom Brady and them come out and they, they easily defeat um, the Minnesota Vikings. You never know what you're going to get from him every week, uh, Ben. And sometimes Brady just looks awful. Oh, no doubt. I, the one thing I worry about is that Brady – a lot of times, and I don't think this is a, it may be an asset. He doesn't allow himself to, he doesn't try to do the Carson Wentz and make these insane plays. A lot of times he just throws it into the ground. He falls down and that's great. What you really want is guys who try to make miraculous plays uh, that turn into disaster. Like Deshaun Watson does that. Uh, I think Kyler is, is prone to do that. And obviously Trubisky in my mind is prone to do that. Sal, nice. Kevin says Sal would never pick a defense if it wasn't for Lafayette. I don't think any of us ever pick defenses, but since we go position by position, we got to give you something cheap to round out the show. You know how it works. Exactly. Got to. All right. I guess that's it, fellas. Jordan Klein producing the show. Appreciate you, man. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow. It's the Wednesday strategy show, ownership, top stacks. We've got Saturday football this week. Next week, we've got a game on Christmas. Then we got more Saturday football. We got Thursday night football. Check out Sal at Salvetri DFS on Twitter and YouTube. Ben at Jazzraz DFS. Ben, take us out. What do we have to look forward to today? Any content coming down the pike from you? So golf is on a little hiatus, but that doesn't mean I won't be busy. College basketball is in full swing. And you know what? Crushing betting basketball. So DFS, we got Matt Kajewski, who's providing projections for free, which has been a huge help if you're playing. Fortunately, I can't play in New York, but I've been betting college basketball heavily. You want to get some bets down? It's one of the many reasons, you know, you get in for that promo code for a dollar. You get in our Slack, you say what's up. Uh, Our sports betting channel, dropping some plays, having some fun in there. I will be betting college basketball this afternoon. I got some gems, so... uh, Stop on in. And of course, NBA preseason uh, continues with our, with our fellas up there. I didn't think about that. If you get the $1 pass for yeah. NBA, you're also included in the other channels. Absolutely. And I, I can't tell you the number of people who have signed up and have hopped in the sports betting channel. And like I said, you know, just have some fun, learn some sports that you may not know about Uh, great community in there. So it's one of the many, many reasons you should get involved. All right. Thanks for hanging out, guys. We'll see you back here soon. Remember, Salvetri DFS, Jazzrez DFS, Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and uh, Awesomeo at Awesomeo underscore com. Catch you back here soon. Thanks for watching, guys. That is good music. I got to give it to you. I, it's it's a yeah, good, it's good holiday jam, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it works. We'll run it through New Year's and then call it a day. Then we move Army of the Pharaoh. I always liked how how shows would do themed stuff with the holidays, you know? And I don't even like Christmas music.